0: Your are by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, and welcome to the Lanky guys. My name is Father Peter Musett. And my name is Scott Powell. And we are here uh, on Father's the, the non Ascension Ascension Thursday doing a podcast for Ascension Thursday on the day that isn't Ascension Thursday, but is Ascension Thursday because it's a movable feat. So we actually but are talking existing- about
1: Ascension Sunday. That Ascension is the content of our conversation. Yeah, Ascension Thursday Sunday. Yes, well, it is on. Well, oh, it's a lot, you guys. So we're recording it on Ascension <laughs> Thursday, talking about Ascension Sunday,
0: but it's really Ascension Thursday Sunday because because <laughs> it's forty days from the resurrection, transferred. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what it's happens? Fuzzy is today, math. It's, it's really, the new math. It's that the all um, into. It's the it's the uh, parallax of time that we we are caught in parallax. Like if
1: you isn't the parallax one of the Dr. Seuss books
0: um that's the Lorax oh that's right Lorax that's like uh no that was actually I had a band named Parallax and it was two of us it was a focus missionary and myself okay and uh just because are it, you Parallax say is, which one um, is it the one I assume it is no um oh. why am I uh, uh, um Rachel and Denny no Rachel and uh, why uh, don't
1: um I Jenny uh, and Rachel are friends of mine I know they are okay. um uh, I assumed it was Alex Pandolfo yeah it was no. <laughs> you know what? We got to celebrate you for a second. You what? you let that churn okay, in your yeah, mind yeah, for a yeah. little bit. We I stir just, that around. It is we're Father. Live on TV. We're live on everything. It's Father Peter's fifteenth anniversary. He was made a priest fifteen years ago today. The bishop's hands were laid on him. He received the charism of being in persona Christi. He this is one of the most profound things that happens in humanity that you actually get to enter into the sacerdotal reality of all of salvation history. Um, So we're celebrating that today and we're celebrating it in a big way, which there's so many, I think, theological. Oh, the crowd is going wild. The crowd is going wild. And that's not just a button we push on the sound machine. (laughs) (laughs) Applause. That's real humans. Um, but it's so weirdly appropriate to me that the Feast of, or talking about the Feast of the Ascension is connected in so many ways to the priesthood and what that means and how we're actually meant to live out uh, the reality, the weird, crazy reality that we actually live in post-Ascension, pre-Second Coming. And in a lot of ways, I think what I've been reflecting on this morning is that your life and your vocation is a reflection of... Of that weird moment that we live in, post ascension, pre second coming, Mm. and what on earth we're supposed to do about it. Your life is meant to actually be a reflection of that, which is really beautiful. So there's, we we thought. I was was thinking about how when I was getting ordained, I cut my hair really
0: short because I didn't. I I had this question in my mind that if I had too much hair, would the laying on of hands actually work?
1: I think there is something in canon law about the layers. of Yeah, hair. I mean, I,
0: I, it was it was at just some point it stops. I at some point you it know, doesn't like, make it.
1: So, so the, the, the Holy Spirit can only go so far. The Holy Spirit can only go no, so that's far. That's not true. That's that's heresy. We've already <laughs> right. spoken heresy th- three and ten minutes in. Yeah, that's like oh the, my gosh. But so we want to celebrate you, and so well, we thank you. are today. It's also the feast of Our Lady of Fatima, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, it's also um which, something which else always, that I'm forgetting I've about. I always
0: wondered if if that was like a prophetic like. Because if you look at the the message of Fatima it's really trying to say like, hey, um, repent, like transform, do yeah, penance absolutely. and I, and I I, um, I I guess I'm trying to do that, but that's good. Our Lady of Fatima, I mean she's like way intense and I'll tell you if any of you have ever done a pilgrimage to our to the Fatima, it's totally intense. I've heard of like the most penitential realities taking place on the pilgrimages. so if you ever want to like just go for it if you need like, that for your soul and you're like I need to I need to I need a little portuguese weight. in my life portuguese which is spanish pronounced with a russian accent as far as i'm concerned
1: i will sit here and wait for all the angry messages from all of you Portuguese (laughs) and Spanish and Russians. So Hey, you know, that's that's my job is I'm just trying to make sure that everything happens in a very bizarre way. I think that's great. Well, speaking of things happening in bizarre ways, we are live and we're on the 15th anniversary of your priesthood. We are trying to raise $15,000 to support the ministry that we're doing here at the University of Colorado. Um, And one of the things we want to reflect on as we go through today is the way in which vocations have played a part in this ministry. And I, I... I know I'm biased in a lot of ways, but I think some of the greatest, most influential, most power-packed priests of the Archdiocese have actually come from this place, which is remarkable. And, you know, Boulder has its reputation, and it's kind of weird and wonky and all sorts of weird things. But, I mean, it's hard to be in a place like this and not either walk away from your faith or have it strengthened. Um, you can't be lukewarm in a place like this. And I well, think that's the, the, that's the great part about the, uh, the apostolic life that we get to live
0: here mm-hmm. is that if you choose to live your faith within the, the um, life of Boulder, then you can go literally anywhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can go anywhere. Because you can go to Lafayette. <laughs> you can go and do ministry or within beyond. Lafayette or, or Gun Barrel. <laughs> I've heard some will actually. There's go no up, Catholic Church in Gunnarill. Yeah, yeah, but that's but you Harris.
1: can still minister there. That's true. You can hang no, out.
0: No, I, I you know, I could, because what happens is that there is a um, an actual ability to engage hmm. um, outside of the bubble. I mean, sometimes people talk about the Boulder bubble. Yeah, but in reality, there's not a bubble. People are engaged, and you're—I mean, okay, there's a there's a certain sense of a bubble, but like people are actually going to engage in a deeper way, and so it really
1: it, fo- it fosters apostles. The man. fact of the matter is, we all have a bubble. Um, I went to Steubenville. There's a Steubenville bubble. There's a Boulder bubble. They're very different kind of bubbles, but. What we're seeing in our society is we're all living our lives in these bubbles. Oh, I guess I just have to like share this. Like scriptures,
0: like the, the, the scriptures say, you know, um, he who does that one thing is like chasing <laughs> bubbles over
1: a spiked pit. I don't know. I don't know if you get Sounds this. like Isaiah. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like Isaiah. Or but, Proverbs. But I was listening to uh, a podcast and I was listening to this Protestant pastor. And he had one of the greatest definitions of evangelization that I had heard. And it's been churning in my head and my heart. And it reminds me of what we're doing here. But he said... Um, Something like, you know, in ministry, we're, we're, we're so, um, so much of the thrust of ministry is like, we want to put on an event, we want to do a thing, and we're doing well if we have a bunch of people that we invite to it. He's like, that's not evangelization. Evangelization is not doing things and inviting people. Evangelization is getting those people to invite you to their things. They're like, will you come to my event? So the one to be the Christian witness in a place like Boulder, to be the Christian witness at this party or whatever it is, or in this frat or sorority or whatever it is. That's what we're trying to train and engage our students to do. Not simply, we want them to bring their people here. We want people to be engaged in the life of the church, but we also want missionaries who go out and actually are invited into bubbles like Boulder and the rest of the world, which is what you're saying. If you can do it here, you really can do it anywhere in a certain sense. Yeah, there's
0: nothing to be afraid of. We yes. we get a chance to just live and love and and engage the wider culture and oftentimes things that are happening in boulder are uh are destined to be happening into the further culture sometime absolutely. very soon absolutely so it's like yeah so it's it, it's it's a great joy and on my 15th anniversary i i prayed on the eve of my anniversary i mean uh, on the eve of i prayed on the eve of my <laughs> so last night so last night no <laughs> yeah. no on the eve of my ordination i i had actually prayed that um that uh god would um god would uh, give me one opportunity in my life to uh, do campus ministry to, to serve really? at the university. Yeah, and uh, this one. S- yeah, and so 15 years later, <laughs> I had a year off. They sent me to like deep suburbia, like <laughs> just so that I had a sense of like uh, where where I was going to send the, these missioned folks into.
1: There's a camera pointed at your feet. Oh, it's this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So would you point that upwards towards me? Yeah, you better believe me? It, There's so many things to look at today. Yeah, yeah. Here, let's see. Like, aim it a little higher, a little
0: higher. There we go. Look at go. that. There you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I like, tried to do that one, and, and somehow it got bumped. So That's now, all right. We this all get is, bumped. This is the Father Peter cam. Here it is. That's the Dr. Scott cam. Ha <laughs> ha! And this is the Wide cam. So
1: um, for the Ascension readings, Well, hold friends, on, hold on. Okay, Before okay, we do okay, that, yeah, just yeah. two finish. more quick piece of, pieces of note. Pizzas piece, of, of notes? Pizzas of notes? If you're watching us online, we apologize for the little technical difficulties earlier. But you're, if you're with us, please comment on our Facebook Live page. Tell us where you're watching from or listening from. Um, we we oh, we love to hear from you guys. We love to hear uh, where you are in the world, where you're listening to the podcast. We always get a kick out of what people are doing, whether it's laundry or building a nuclear bomb or you know all the or going for a run. There's, we, those are all true stories. Um, yeah. We are at this moment up to two thousand five hundred and eighty dollars already toward our goal. We're only a couple minutes into this campaign, but we're already well on our way, which is beautiful. Yep. So, if you've already donated, thank you so much. Um, if you are considering it, please pray about it. Um, you can you can mute us if you want to actually do some real discernment and what we're just going to be talking about yeah. dumb things still. And, but
0: and yeah, and and uh, and our goal is fifteen thousand uh, dollars in honor of the fifteen years and and. Yeah. Uh, you know, Scott and I, um, we had a we had a thought that we um, had something very special within our relationship and our love of the scriptures, and to invite you in to be able to to have a, a little fu- the fulcrum of the scriptures to lift the whole church and to say, you know what, if if we actually delve deeper into the scriptures together in the context in which we live, that um, that everybody can benefit. So freely we have received and freely we give. Um, and so I actually want you to be able to do the same, that freely you have received what we've done and what we've been able to offer to you. So I ask you freely to give as well, not only by and now you're getting the bill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, just I kidding. mean, like I'm just kidding. freely give back because it really um, it really profoundly helps us to be able to to continue to offer this uh, without without uh, charge. silver and gold. We don't have. But what we do have, we give to you. And uh, and so th- this actually helps not only the ministry here to form apostles and priests and um, and missionaries that are just pouring out into the world, but it also continues to help form priests, bishops, seminarians, uh, it, it, the the religious. I mean, we've actually been like. We've been actually table reading. You know how it's like in the in the old old world, you'd have one of the monks or nuns, and they would read while everybody was eating. Oh, I thought you meant like in prep for a movie or a TV no, show and no, they uh, table read. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 like the, like table reading at yeah, yeah, monasteries. Yeah. We've actually been that for religious, which is the most horrifying <sighs> it thought that I I'll I have. But but it also tells you that there's <laughs> a real benefit that. Uh, that uh, somehow we uh, we have the ability to speak to a lot of people, and so your support can help us speak to a lot of people. Speaking to a lot of people, let's uh, uh, ascend
1: well, into the heavens. Before we do that, if you would like to help us out, if you feel prompted to to uh, donate to this ministry, you can go to our website, thomascenter.org. There are links on the Facebook Live page where you can click on those links, or the easiest option in my book, you can text seven two zero five one three seven three three seven seven two zero five one three seven three three seven you can text your donation it's uh shockingly easy to do it that way so there's lots of platforms we'll mention those kind of as we go out but um you are chomping at the bit to get to these readings which rightly so. Yeah so, so
0: our first reading is from one 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 one. Ah acts is there a book there? Yes <laughs> <Acts> chapter one, <laughs> one, verse one, one 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 it sounds like uh
1: it sounds like uh like a taxi company or the phone number to a taxi company. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, that's, that, I was just clarifying. Because <laughs> there's one here in Boulder with all sevens, right? Yeah, 7777. Seven, 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 it's seven sevens. It is four, five, six, seven. Yes, it's seven. seven <laughs> I had to count it.
0: Except for the, the, it, they messed up because it's code. 10. You can't do 10 tens because it's the area code. That's
1: confusing. I'm super confused.
0: Yeah, because it would not be 10 tens. It would be twenty
1: ones 20s. and zeros. It's like coding now. Okay. All right. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm 47, verses 2 to 3, 6 to 7, and 8 through 9.
0: And the responsicle from
1: uh, chapter 6. Verse 6, but yes. Lots of clapping on <laughs> <in> this
0: one. <laughs> our uh, second reading is from uh, the first uh, uh, book of Ephesians, the first There's chapter of Ephesians. Only I'm just, one. I'm just trying there to There might like, be more that we don't know I'm about really that are I'm really just trying to history. confuse everybody <laughs> well and done. you, and like, you're like— <laughs> you're Excellent. Like, you're like, come on, man. No,
1: no, no. I've, I've prolonged our—, our Chapter Ephesians 1, verses 17 to 23. Something like that. And our gospel is coming from Mark chapter 16— I was going to try to look at you while I did it. 15 through 20. So Mark's version of the Great Commission. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Thank you for tuning in to link you guys <laughs> live. We'll see
0: you guys next time.
1: So we have been in Acts of the Apostles uh, for the entirety of the Easter season. And okay. we've been jumping around. Weirdly so. Yeah, yeah. We, no, we, we've almost been going backwards. <laughs> I don't know if we've consistently gone backwards, but we have put it in reverse. Well, we are at one, 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 <laughs> right, one. So we, we're, we like, yeah, back it up, back it up. Uh, Pentecost isn't next week, is it? It's nine days from now. So next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I just had to get there in my head. Oh my gosh, Brother Peter, I am so, I'm so, um, I'm not going to say excited. Excuse me. <laughs> I've been just, uh, uh, okay. Oh, lots. I have, I have a lot to say. Um, Acts chapter one. Uh, first thing I want to say about Acts chapter one, if I may. Um, Is the way that Luke actually begins. So, Acts of the Apostles is, of course, volume two of a two volume set, and that's really important, I think, for the theology of today's readings. It's not just an interesting little factoid about Luke. And what's cool about the way that Luke begins the book so, they're both the Gospel of Luke and Acts of the Apostles, they're both addressed to a guy named Theophilus, and there's lots of debates among scholars on who Theophilus is. Is it an individual? Is it. Uh, shorthand for all of the lovers of God who might read this book? Is it a Roman official? Is it a a Jewish high priest? There's lots of different theories. I tend to think it's the Jewish high priest because there was a Theophilus who held the high priesthood at sometime around this time period. And Luke is really heavy in liturgical stuff. He's really heavy on priestly things, liturgical things, and temple things, which for the only non-Jew to write a book of the Bible, a book of the New Testament, he's really heavy on very Jewish liturgical stuff. So if it's writing if it's written to a, a some Roman centurion or Roman official, I don't know why they'd care that much about these things. But if he's trying to blow open all of history and show the fulfillment of all this stuff, it's kind of cool.
0: Well, and that's kind of, that's actually kind of like us, like... Yeah. W- like it's very fascinating because we were never a part of the temple regime. It was, oh, you, not, mean you and me. Yeah. 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 Like specifically. Yeah. We'd never had to like go and sacrifice bulls and go through that. So then the, 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 we get the abstract version of it. Of have, uh, other than having to go through all of those concrete steps of it. So we actually have an, an abstract layer in a certain way. Like Luke does, he actually gets to look at that temple regime and say, Oh, I can grasp the meaning without yep. the labor that's involved in in a certain sense. <laughs> which is like, nice. Which right. is nice. Yes.
1: But at the same time, Luke could have gone the other way because Luke would have seen these things. Everybody knows the Jews and what they do in the temple system. It's one of the most impressive structures in anywhere around. They're known very much. But Luke also being a believer, being a Christian in the new covenant also had the freedom to not have to deeply and totally and fully engage with that old covenant world. And he chose to. And he chose to go all the way in because he's like, it's only through diving into the entirety of the old that I can reveal the new. And I'm going to reveal the new to the old. And I have to actually speak their language. I have to go all the way in and understand exactly all the ins and outs and all the intricacies of this world if I'm going to speak to that population, if I'm going to go into that bubble, so to speak, right, and reveal this, which is really, really beautiful. So he doesn't have to do the the work, but in a certain sense, he has to do maybe even harder work of coming from the outside and and figuring it out. Mm. I don't know. It's kind of beautiful to me. Yeah. But the way that he or kind of the conclusion he comes to, It's odd to talk about the conclusion in the first three verses, but in a certain sense, the beginning tells you the end, and this does in in yeah, and that's that's what all good art does, right? You're you're the one that showed me that that every good movie, like the first, the the last scene is just the first scene transformed or or. Yeah, and the mute, first scene mutated. exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well it it's it frames what the transformation is actually yeah. going to be.
1: Yeah, which I love. I've never thought yeah, I I think about
0: that often. And so. and, and actually the the wittier the filmmaker the more um, even disguised it is. I mean like I was watching the 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 first scene of a movie Brooklyn and it was just a picture of a street in the middle of the night. Okay. And it's so funny because if you actually pay attention and analyze that one image, you actually have the frame of the entire moral decision of the character. It was Whoa. really, it's a really, it's really wild. So it actually takes some time to really consider if, um, huh. But always cool. pause after the first scene and say, what is this about? Because sometimes they play with the framing. Mm. So, so they may play with the framing so that you look and you say, oh, my goodness. And they, they may flip flop on you. They may take it and, and right. bring it along a spectrum. And, and so
1: that, that's actually where it's really cool. It's not always the case. And I, I don't mean to stretch the analogy too far. But I think our readings actually do precisely this. The way that they're—so stri- the book of Acts of the Apostles, salvation, history, all of it. But the way that our readings actually work, the first line of the first reading does reflect in an interesting way the last line of the gospel. Mm. So what I mean by that—so in the first book of Theophilus, the the uh, recipient, he said, I dealt with all that Jesus—oh, di- N-A-B. This is not an accurate translation. Sorry, I'm not trying to slam our reading, but— Every now and then in language, there's, you know, there's the the new American Bible, which is what we hear in the mass. It's a particular translation that was meant to be the most accessible to the widest population of people. And so sometimes the intricacies of the exact translations or transliterations are are removed or smoothed over, not in any way that's unfaithful to the text, but every now and then you miss little, little things. So what's missing in the sentence is what Luke actually says is in the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach which this just says didn't taught. The began, I think, is crucially important. The first book, the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke was the beginning of the story. It's what Jesus began to do and teach, which implies that Acts of the Apostles, volume two, is what Jesus continues to do and teach. Right. And it's not just what he continues to do and teach until the day he was taken up, which is what it says, but the implication is it's what Jesus continues to do and teach through the apostles through their work, through the life of the church, which is what goes then to the ends of the earth. Jesus leaves the immediate content of the book of Acts of the Apostles real early on, right, which is what we're talking about today. But he doesn't leave the book. He never—this is when Saul is thrown to the ground on the way to Damascus. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church, these people, my followers? He doesn't say any of that. He says, why are you persecuting me? Hmm. Because the implication is the church— is, make no mistake, not metaphorically, not in an abstraction, literally the body of Jesus. Right. So he set you up. And right.
0: The- and, and we're at the point and it says in the very beginning of the reading that we're that, that for 40 days, which is actually what we that's why we have Ascension Thursday. Yeah, it says right. he presented himself alive to them by many proofs after he had suffered, appearing yeah. to them during 40 days and speaking about the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. So in a certain sense,
1: we're getting the time frame of what the Acts of the Apostles is going to be. We are. We're also getting we're simultaneously getting getting. The time frame of what Acts of the Apostles is, and we're getting the flashback last time on Luke and Buddies. It, what you know, of uh, here's of what Gospel happened literally Luke. last time in the Gospel of Luke, he goes on to say, Yep, this is what happens. But what I want to draw our attention to is what Jesus is talking. What is he doing during those 40 days? Because we don't get a ton of info on that time. We know he was there. We see some of the accounts in the gospels of the people he appeared to, and and there's a few things. But 40 days is a long time. That's like a month and a half. What's Jesus doing during the month and a half? He's speaking of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. What is that? It's the church. What The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which is just the Jewish way of saying kingdom of God, is the most repeated phrase in the Gospels. He, Jesus talks about nothing more than he talks about the kingdom. And the reason that's Basileia important— Basileia as they say it in Greek. Ex- absolutely right, which is not just— a reminiscing or a bygone remembrance of the kingdom of David used to be so great. Remember when we had that palace and the temple and how great it was? No, the kingdom of God continues. It, is, it, is, it exists in perpetuity and there's no David sitting on the throne, but Jesus takes on the mantle of the kingdom of God, which is, as the book of First Chronicles defines it, the God's kingdom in the hands of the sons of men. God's kingdom, the kingdom that does properly belong to God, that is left in the charge of schmoes like you and me or you more specifically, and bishops and the priests and the hierarchy. It is the church. So what is Jesus talking about for these 40 days, for this month and a half? He's talking about the church. Why? Because he's about to ascend. As you like to say, he's about to shoot like a rocket into heaven. We won't see him in the same way anymore. So what desperately do his apostles need? To understand the church, because the church is going to be the mechanism through which Jesus reveals himself to the world from the moment of the ascension, where he disappears from our eyes in a certain sense, until the moment that he comes again at the parousia. The church is everything. It is the age of the church, it is the life of the church. This is the setup for the. It's not the setup, it's not the birth of the church, but this is the explanation of the church, the unpacking of the church. And again, we, we get the impression that the apostles don't get it yet. They will get it at Pentecost.
0: Well, yeah, and the, the, the framing comes Jesus uh, is saying in the, uh, we see it in the Gospel of John. He's saying, there is going to come a moment where I have to go and you're not going to like it when I have to go. But Lights. if I don't go, then I'm not going to be able to send the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, right. and so right. the the ascension. So, which you, is what will what will uh,
1: animate the church,
0: right? And 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 because what's what's actually taking place, it's like the angel go, goes to goes to the the people who are standing around. Jesus shoots up like a rocket through the clouds. I Love that scene, you know? Either that or like sometimes like he's just kind of floaty float, like he's kind of a balloon, you know? Like like oh, you I'm know, I'm uncomfortable
1: like, with the term floaty float. Floaty
0: float. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like oh, he, we should add root beer floats. Today. We should have that would have been in honor, in of, in the honor of the float. ascension. But like, yeah. So like, he's they're they're watching, and the, and the angels are like, what are you guys looking at? And and <laughs> I love the scene of them all staring up, and the angels
1: just standing there. Like, what are you guys doing? What you guys what doing? Are you looking at?
0: Yeah, and he, they're like, ah. you know, he's like, don't you, they, like, <laughs> don't you realize that the the son has ascended to the father? And you're like. Okay, so we've actually broken a plane of existence. They watched something happen where a plane, like, you know, we're in this weird age of Marvel Comics and everybody's like, there's the P-L-A-M-E, multiverse. E, right? Yeah, yeah. Not P-L- An aeroplane.
1: Not an arrow. we were talking about shooting into the air. Yeah, yeah, like, just for like,
0: like everybody's talking about multiverses and all these sorts of weird things. That it's to say, like, oh, there's an a whole alternative reality that actually, um, because people have a sense that there is something beyond. The upside but down. The upside down. We all know. We've already been there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. The popular culture yes. is actually yes.
0: trying to grapple with. We, totally. We have this deep sense that's written into our being that something else exists there. Yeah. But people have a weird despair around the this idea that it actually could be the Christian heaven. So people are trying to rewrite this. In reality, what actually takes yeah. place for us is, yeah. and, and in the ascension, is this reminder and this rooting that our humanity has actually been introduced into the Godhead, and because our our humanity has been introduced into the Godhead, that now we are actually in in a very mystical and true way now present to the inner life of the Trinity, and that the spirit coming to us from that, which we will receive at Pentecost as a church, and that we receive in a special way in baptism and confirmation, that we're actually meant um, for another plane of existence that that we don't yet fully comprehend right and and what I think and I don't know why I keep doing it this way because I just there's uh, something above. because you're you know?
1: anticipating what I'm about to say which is for the last couple centuries not the history of Christianity but for a little while Christianity has profoundly misunderstood what this means, I think. Not all of Christianity, and the church has always been clear on this, but in popular culture, there has been this, I would argue, a misunderstanding of the motion of where we are headed and what something like today means to us as us going— well, and because point, Christ ascended, right, and, like, and that's he, true,
0: he said, dude, I'm I, like, and, and so, so the misconception can be, you know what, I, I'm
1: Balin. You know what, earth, good luck. Right. Come and join me at some point. But what we need to see is that that's temporary. Right. So the ascension is not the end of the story. Pentecost is certainly not the end of the story. The end of the story is when Jesus comes back again. To us, not that we're waiting. When are you going to take us with you? When are you? When are we going to get to come up there? When are we going to go off to this plane of existence that we don't understand? Right. No, it's Jesus saying, "I'm coming back, and I will reveal." the plane of existence that you live in for the reality that it actually is. I will lift the veil and you'll see the thing for which you've been pining after and longing for and wondering about and dreaming about and making well, movies about.
0: Well, and that's where, well, that's where St. Paul, he says, right now we see dimly as in a mirror, yes, but right. then we will see face to face that, yeah. that we have this yeah. deep yeah. sense of it. And this is actually why the the new evangelization is so critical is that yeah. you have all of these fallen away Catholics making um, movies and TV shows and books and stories with these vestiges of the truth right. that they're that they're trying to actually express right. into the world without actually being able to have the fullness. So right. you can recognize, right. and there's something you say, yeah, I, this resonates mm-hmm. weirdly with me. Yes, but but
1: yet it doesn't have this fullness because human beings know the truth that we're made for. We just don't have all the ways to articulate it yet. The well, church has the best. But even we fall short because we're not sure what that's going to look like in the end.
0: Right, and that's why we pray and we yeah. continually come and we uh, we we inform our consciences with the f- fullness of revelation yeah. and go entrench into the full of the story. You're hanging out on a Facebook Live thing to be with us to inform your conscience and let the reality of the spiritual work of God actually come into f-
1: View. Absolutely. We pause for a moment for station identification. Uh, I do want to give a couple of shout outs because there are some of you who are watching and I'm shout, so grateful.
0: Shout I want to say a hello.
1: I want to say a hello to Susan, who's in Austin, Texas. I was just in Austin a couple weeks ago. It is a beautiful city. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Anne Marie, who is up in Vancouver, which is one of my favorite cities. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the country. In the, it's not our country. It's a different country. <laughs> Vancouver's cool. In our continent, uh, Joseph Schmidt with Kate. Um, oh, it's just Kate on Joseph's account. <laughs> Over in Boulder, um, which is wonderful. A bunch of thank yous and congratulations to Father Peter on his anniversary. Um, hi from southern Germany, from Karen. Um, we got Henry, who's hanging out in Boulder. Gruscat. Uh, this is, fa- <laughs> oh Gruscat. That's Germany. I mean, that's Austria. Ustreich. Ustreich. Ustreich.
0: Oh, uh, so, um You guys, we are right now, we are at $3,390. Thank you so much for your generosity and your support of the work that we're doing here. Um, Sean Turgeon, that is the second half of Parallax. Sean, I love you. I'm so sorry. And you probably are not even watching this anymore. You've <laughs> written me off. Uh, you know what? Uh, you burned my effigy. Ooh. I'm very sorry um and uh and so it got, got pretty intense yeah yeah please forgive me oh my and, and he's gonna make a new one now because he actually did keep watching and um because parallax still lives within our hearts yeah. sean like you were saying it's the other plane
1: it's the other plane.
0: It's the, it's the fifth plane. <laughs> it's the fifth plane. If
1: you would like to support this ministry, which we please ask you to prayerfully consider, you can go to thomascenter.org to make a donation. There are links on the Facebook Live, or you can text your donation amount to seven two zero five one three seven three three seven seven two zero five one three seven three three seven. Again, we're trying to raise fifteen thousand dollars in honor of Father Peter's fifteenth anniversary of his ordination and the ministry that. Um, that has flown out of it for these 15 years and all of the good things that we're seeing that God is doing here in Boulder. Yeah. Um, if you are watching us on Facebook live, if you're hanging with us this long, please send it, uh, put a shout out, tell us where you're watching from or listening from. Yeah, Say put, hi. Yeah, we love you guys. Put a comment out there. We, we Put a comment out did. there, laddie. You know, a couple you turned of Irish he, all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. Put a <laughs> comment out there. Um, you know, some people have actually already sent us letters in the mail. What? They use snail mail. I love snail mail. And, um, I've, I've, of course I forgot the letter I was setting up all the live stream stuff that which I failed at and um, and uh, one guy who uh, is a is a scientist who's a, a specifically a water treatment specialist okay loves us and he's been listening to us and putting it out there. I'm sorry that I, I from your name escapes me and I, I recognize your handwriting in my eyes and so thank you. And for the stickers that <laughs> you sent and the magnets and it was lots of love. There I was didn't get any stickers loves. or magnets. Yeah. I mean well I you want some we, water
1: treatment magnets. We did. We we actually got yes, them. Together. No, that's what I said. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm that's what I mean. <laughs> I love them. They're on my fridge. <laughs> we'll talk to you afterwards. All right. I want to talk liturgical for a minute. Can we do that? Yes. Yak about the liturgy Old Testament there? Yakety yak Don't talk back So Psalm 47 Is a liturgical Oh psalm so we're 47. going To the psalm Is that okay And liturgically Yeah dude We're liturgically
0: Entering into the psalm
1: We are liturgically Entering into a liturgical psalm It's a I don't know what that is This oh, is wait, the liturgical gesture the For the psalm a God mounts <laughs> his throne To shouts of joy um, A pair of trumpets For the Lord I love that second part because people clap your hands Sorry, I, this is this is the Holy Scriptures. Okay. <laughs> what are um, you doing? I'm singing. I'm not a <laughs> singer. That's not what I do. Um, psalm 47 is a liturgical song. It is originally a liturgical psalm, and scholars think we can probably date it to coming from sometime around the height of the monarchy, right? When David was king or maybe when Solomon, when the kingdom of God on earth, right, the Davidic kingdom was doing well and having influence and wealth and power and everything else, um, which is... We know that there was problems with that and we know there was a great downfall, but that's the point in history this is. We also have reason to believe that this psalm would have been used to celebrate uh, the dedication of the temple when Solomon rededicated, when he built the temple and dedicated it to the Lord. This was the psalm that was actually used because in a certain sense, we've come home. God dwells among us. He is with us. He is in the middle of this kingdom that bears his name. And we, to some degree, although we know salvation history goes a little bit dark, to some degree, we understand that God is king. He's king in us and with us for the sake of all the earth. Now, again, I don't think Israel does a great job of living out that vocation, but there's this moment of insight of like, we get who we are. It was also used, uh, I believe, on the feast of Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. But when I was reading it, so I was thinking about all these different Jewish feasts that it's used for. And I keep thinking about the feast of Yom Kippur, of the Day of Atonement, which we've talked about this before. I think Yom Kippur is the key to understanding the Ascension and living post-Ascension as Christians. Because in the Feast of Atonement, and I don't know if this was used on the Feast of Atonement or not, I wish it was, but it it is a liturgical thing. Atonement, not intonement. In case you're thinking that our singing is really bad, no, 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 no. it's not the Feast of the uh, the the Atonement. (laughs) So on the the Feast of the Atonement, what the... um, priest would do was sacrifice um, various animals. There's lots we could say about this. Sacrifice these goats basically in reparation for the rest of our sin, for the the communal sin of the people of Israel. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We offer these gifts to God in sacrifice. And what would happen on the Day of Atonement, it was where we we would confess our sins. We would say the ways in which we'd fall short. The priest would go in offer these sacrifices, and he would do all of these prayers, all of these different things, and in the Holy of Holies, in the, it was the one day of the year where the priest could go into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, the tabernacle where God dwelt. He would be covered in blood. He would have done all of these pretty intense things, like what we were talking about earlier, these, the, the hard work you know, that, that the old covenant demanded. He would do these things, and it would take a long time And he would do these things, he would have to change clothes, he would have to pour the the blood out on the altar, do all the stuff. All the while, the rest of the people of God was gathered outside in the temple, in the in the precincts, in the courtyards, waiting for the priest to come out and say, the sacrifice is complete, Our sins have been forgiven. He would come out wearing bridegroom clothing, dressed like a groom going to his wedding. He would descend the steps and he would invite everybody else to come to his house, to the rectory, or equivalent of the rectory, and share what was essentially a wedding feast, saying, our wedding vows with God have been renewed. He has accepted us back. We have confessed our sins. I've offered the sacrifice. Now we can go to the feast. And the reason I think that's so profound, others have pointed this out, I think you could make the argument, and I think the New Testament does, that the moment between the ascension of Jesus into heaven, where Hebrews says he goes into the Holy of Holies, he enters into the heavenly tabernacle where the Father is to offer himself and us as sacrifice. That's done. That happens on the cross. He has offered himself the sacrifice is complete, And now we here on earth are waiting for the high priest to come back down and invite us to come into the feast. It's done, it's completed. And we live in this in between moment where at some point the bridegroom is going to descend and he's going to look like a groom and he's going to be dressed in the most amazing garments, metaphorical or real, I don't know. And he's going to invite us to come to the feast. So this psalm is talking about God mounting his throne. When do you mount a throne? When do you sit down? God is both king and priest. And if you're thinking liturgically, the point that a priest sits down, the point when a king would sit down, is when the teaching is you sit down after your homily. As a sign of saying, okay, if you fell asleep during that, or if you zoned out, like I'm done now. You're you're cool. they're like, oh, father, sat down. The homily's done. I'm just making, I'm just yeah, making that's a true. Yeah, but no, also there's... after you finish the liturgical or the Eucharistic sacrifice, Both you sit down. That's, so what this psalm is reminding us of in terms of the Ascension. Now that Jesus has ascended to the Father, He is seated at the throne, which means the sacrifice is complete. But we're not done yet. The sacrifice is complete, but the moment you sit down in the Mass is not the moment the Mass ends. That's not the moment we're supposed to jet for the door and get to the parking lot. That's the moment that we sit down, we kind of liturgically, communally, ecclesially take a breath. We're like, okay. Yeah, we actually, but we wait for the closing prayer. We wait for you to say, now it's done. Now we go. If,
0: if, if I were actually to say that that, that moment specifically with liturgically— it's it's actually the um, the expression of the passion, death, resurrection, ascension, and descent of the Holy Spirit is now completed. Yes. The victory of Christ yes. is attained, and now we yes. sit with the Father yes. and the Son and the Spirit in victory over all the enemies. Yes, and now the the distance between that and the sending yeah. is is actually the 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 period that we live in right now. Exactly. And and the, but that's also why it's so sweet. But sitting, we're not finished
1: yet. Which right. is the point I'm really trying to drive home. We're right not and done.
0: I always I wanna I always encourage people, like it's good, I think that people can still like sit in like, like kneel in that moment and pray. Yep. I've got no problem with that, but Rent. but I think that the sweetness of sitting down, because I think sometimes people think that sitting is not a liturgical it's gesture. It's not as pious. Right. It, 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 if I a, kneel, I'm
1: holier than you are. No, they don't that. <laughs> no, think I know, that. but I thought that. Yeah, but I was like, I need to show God more. I need to do more rather than, oh, that's actually part of the liturgy. Like sitting is actually, a pr- there's appropriateness to this.
0: Right. Unless you're in the East on Sunday. Well, yeah. Then you got to lay on your face.
1: Lay <laughs> prostrate.
0: Man, that's the hardest part about the Eastern liturgy. All is the prostrations? Uh, no, is oh. standing the whole time. <laughs> Man, I went to I, I went to a like a three hour liturgy where we like stood So a regular like, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I've been <laughs> It's true. Wisdom be attentive. <laughs> I I love me some Eastern liturgy as long as it's like not on the long days, which is not every Sunday. <laughs> which so. is not every Sunday. So um, let's go into the let's go into Ephesians. Couple quick shout-outs before we go on. Oh, I just shout-out. want
1: to say hi to Sarah, who's writing from Chicago. Yo. From Heather in South Boulder. Uh, we have Scott. Excellent name, Scott who is writing from Bahrain, um, where he is deployed. Do you Bahrain! Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, Thank you for your service, Scott. Uh, I really, uh, we are honored by it. Um, something about nerdiness. P- Patty is from Nebraska. We, uh, and another Patty um, from Iowa. There's Patties everywhere. We're surrounded by Patties today. Uh, we are up to $3,705. Oh, you Thank you so much best. for your generosity today. And please, if you would like to support our ministry, go to thomascenter.org, where you can text your amount to 720-513-7337. And on that note, let's talk about Ephesians. Okay. All right, let's, let's Ephesian it up. Okay. Um, Ephesians, so one thing that I just want to point out is that uh, for a few verses prior to this as well, in the Greek, this is all one sentence. Okay. For a really long time. It's like a breathless, so scholars hate this passage because no one knows basically where to shut Paul up. He is launched into what he's done in terms of the letter is launched into this blessing where I I love reading commentaries on Ephesians because no one knows where to separate like, okay, where does Paul's blessing prayer stop? And where does his theology begin? Like, okay, where is the blessing? The prayer, the opening prayer is done. And now he gets into the body of the letter. It's indistinguishable to tell where his prayer ends and his theology starts, which Having studied theology for many many years and seeing the dryness that it can actually have, there's something so beautiful about the indistinguishability between praise and theological insight and explanation and teaching. So it's really really cool. Um, But what he's doing here in this kind of opening um, passage, I do think it speaks to exactly what we've been talking about and exactly this this what he's trying to do is give instruction on how to live in the current moment, how to live in the age of the church but in the in-between, not the upside down, the in-between, right, which is where we are. And (laughs) he says, brothers and sisters, may the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation resulting in knowledge of him. So they are the the city of Ephesus was known for a lot of things. It was known for its physical beauty. It was known for its um, pagan worship. The temple to the goddess Artemis was there, which is one of the wonders of the world. It was the center of what we might anachronistically call the occult in the ancient world. It's where they literally manufactured um, spellbooks, manufactured and, and stuff, and like yeah. talismans, and yeah, Ollivander's shop was in Ephesus. I think. And, and, um, but like, it's where the, it, it was there. Sorry, but in Acts of the Apostles, there's actually a riot in the city of Ephesus because Paul is driving out their business because. The new, again, it's anachronistic. What we would call the new age, what we would call the occult, pagan idolatrous practices, that was the business, that was the infrastructure for that city. It's what people made their money on. And Paul going in and bringing the gospel message unravels that society. He breaks it down. And this is a society that desperately wants to tap into spiritual realities beyond themselves, but tap into spiritual realities in a way of owning those, of controlling them, of powering them. I can be powerful if I can tap in and harness these spiritual things or these things of the gods or this, you know, whatever things are happening in nature. And Paul unravels that and twists it on its head and says, I'm not simply asking you to reject that. I'm asking you to change the way you think about it. It, It's like what you were saying with movies, right? It's, it's, there is this, I love watching movies where you can tell that there's something in the Catholic ethos that's there, even though it's not defined as such. You're like, there's something that you're onto and it's kind of beautiful because you get something, even though you're articulating it differently or you're not fully there yet. That's kind of what he's saying. It's like, I'm not, saying avoid wisdom and knowledge and the spiritual stuff. You just have to change your thought process on it. But in doing so, he caused the Christians in Ephesus to lose all of their standing in society. Because not only are they not allowed to go to all the pagan temples and be a part of this commerce and probably have their jobs anymore, all of these different things, they are now ostracized from society. And he's like, but guess what? God did give you spirit of a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, not the kind of revelation the world is talking about. Real, true revelation, real wisdom, real knowledge. And I want your eyes of your hearts to be enlightened, uh, that you might know what is the hope that belongs to his call, the riches of his glory, the inheritance of the holy ones, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power. He's saying this to a, a people who feel stripped of their power in society. And he's saying, no, you've got power beyond measure. And I was, uh, I was thinking about a story I heard from Peter Williamson once, who's a great theologian in Michigan. And he was telling a story about, uh, do you remember Nicholas II? He was the last, I don't, do you remember him? No. We hung out with I him? have no idea who he Nicholas II He was the last czar is. of Russia before Russia fell and the, the, uh, the revolution happened. Anyway, okay. he's a powerful Russian king, right? Okay. And the stories go that his children used to literally play. Their, their playroom was in the treasury. And they would play with, like, all the crowns and, like, ancient, um, what do you Gold call Gold things. Gold things. Diadems. Like, it was Diadems. Like, it was their toys. And the story is really beautiful because you have these children who are playing with these things that are valuable beyond measure. And it basically been, it, it could have been Legos to them. Like, they were just like, this is our stuff. This is what we do. And, and I, I was thinking about that story in terms of Peter Williamson telling it because that's what Paul is saying. You... Are literally playing with riches beyond your wildest imagination and you don't even realize it you don't even know what you have you're like in the in the positive sense little children who ought to have total and complete confidence in their father because my father lives here i live in a palace i have access to all this stuff but also then the maturity that paul is saying to realize you need to begin to realize what you actually have. They're not simply playthings. It's not simply the confidence of being a child in the house of the father. Now that child needs to grow up and realize that Mm. they actually have an authority. That's what the life of the church is. Right. Is to recognize, Now I know you feel powerless in the eyes of the world and stripped of all of these things that the world says are important, but you have riches beyond anyone's imagination. They don't look like riches to the eyes of the world, which is what requires the skill of tapping into those so that you can utilize them for your call. Because he keeps talking about in Ephesians how you are called. What am I called to? I'm lo- I've, st- I've been stripped of all my power. I don't have any authority. My friends don't like me. I don't have, you know, any of the stuff I used to have. What do I do with a call? You access the riches and the grace and the revelation and the gifts that you've been given, and you let God lead you. Which is I don't know I, I think it fits in terms of this beautifully.
0: Yeah, and and it, it finishes with this idea. It says that uh, and he put all things beneath his feet, mm-hmm. which is like that liturgical gesture, and uh, of sitting at the end of mass, and or then he, shooting up into heaven like a right, rocket. Right, and then he gave him, under him right. He gave him had his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one mm-hmm. who fills all things in every way. That we're still pointing towards this Pentecostal expression of saying like. We have moved from a world that is merely what we see into something that is so supercharged with the spirit, because yeah. all of creation fell yeah. in the sin of Adam and Eve, yeah. and all of creation gets raised back up again. Higher in, than where it was before. Absolutely. And and because now it's actually filled with the spirit. So yes. we could now encounter the, the the reality as a fullness of, of revelation in and absolutely. of itself, because yeah. through whom the world is made, the, the word, through whom all things are made and yeah. so now he sends the spirit and he's saying hey i'm going up because i'm introducing all of this are you in the gospels i'm just are now in going in. okay so no no just th- for, that's yeah, that abs- was the last line but that, but there's a great lead-in for our gospel life line? he falls uh, to the uh oh yeah all, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a way. good segue well done. Yeah. that's oh. a you know that's how, how i use my sterling engines is in my segue that's oh, super geez. key. That's just, You've you know, used that
1: joke for so many years, and I never get it. No, you, you, because you, never get there.
0: you need to study the sterling engine to understand what I, I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to trust you. Yeah. Um,
1: like we have to trust Jesus. Like we you have, see what I did there? Yeah, because, because kind of he says, I off. have to go, but that's because go. I have to send yeah. the spirit. Right. No, absolutely. I, I love this. Well, I love it for a lot of reasons it's again mark's version of the great commission which gets a little bit less play than matthew's at least in like the the catholic world the ministerial world you know what i'm saying i don't know why that is maybe matthew's a little clearer and maybe it's the fact that marx is weirder and i think it's why i really i don't i'm not gonna say i like it more jesus's words or his words but <laughs> there's something about mark's telling that i think it gets a little bit less play kind of in the ministry world because it's a much stranger message than go out to all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This talks about snakes and serpents and languages and picking up weird poisonous things. And like, it just it gets a little weird, right? But I also love, so it, in a certain sense, I think this is the answer to the question that I think is raised in uh, Ephesians in the second reading, which is, Okay, what what exactly are these riches that we have access to? I know, you know, in the abstract, grace and the Holy Spirit, of course. But, but what does that look like? What does that mean? I think this actually puts tangible meaning behind that. I also love the fact that here Jesus, again, right before he leaves, uh, ascends into heaven, right? He says to his disciples, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And I love that. Matthew says, go and make disciples of all the nations, all the foreign peoples, This says it goes beyond that. It's like, that's not enough. All of creation, like you just said, that's why what you said was such a great segue. All of creation has been lifted back up. All of creation is, as, as weird as this might sound, all of creation is meant to be, In discipleship to Jesus, which is weird. How does a rock get discipled? Well, just by being a rock.
0: You just have to, like uh, Saint Anthony of Padua, when he was kicked out of uh, kicked out of town, he went and he preached to the fishes in the lake, and they all popped up and they were like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, like you you know. So, so, (laughs) so for those of you who use this for homily preparation, you (laughs) can go and preach to dogs and cats. And if your parish
1: doesn't want to listen to you. The,
0: if their parish doesn't want to listen to you, you know it, like just you know, up here in Boulder, we have the opportunity to um prairie dogs. We they're a protected species. So um I you know, when they don't want to hear me, I can go to the prairie dogs. Prairie dog preaching. Prairie dog preaching. That's what we call that know, or or like domesticated animals. Scott and uh, Scott and Winnie. Simon and Winnie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. I don't Hold think on. I like I that's to Scott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a
1: domesticated animal. Yes, you are. Oh, Father Peter. No, But I just love that. I think it's beautiful because it it extends the scope of this. It's not just me and Jesus. It's not just our community and Jesus. It's all of creation and Jesus. And so when he comes again at the second coming, what is going to be revealed to us? everything all of creation in its reality and its fullness that we'll see that the veil between heaven and earth was always pretty thin we just couldn't see it well in
0: okay so i you know i took a spiritual gifts test the other day i was like i wonder what my spiritual like online yeah yeah okay it was like you know i can't i can't remember the website but it was just like these are the things and my top one was um this uh, spiritual gift of craftsmanship and you got hufflepuff and I got Hufflepuff. Yes. No, uh, no, uh, Slytherin. No, I was not Slytherin. No, uh, Ravenclaw. Okay. I'm a Ravenclaw. Good. Good. So, no, but uh, the, the the spiritual gift of craftsmanship is to actually order creation mm. towards God. Mm. So there's a certain sense in which uh, yeah. the reason why we have nice things, the reason why we can have nice things. We always say it the opposite way. No. This is why we can't have nice things. Um no, the reason why we can't have nice things is because uh, as a as a craftsman, as a jeweler, I always had the sense that mm. what we were doing is we're taking the best materials that exist within the world, mm. rubies and diamonds and yeah. gold. Oh, these, my. Oh, my. And we take them and we, what do we do? But we submit them and move them in a way that they are then surrendered to the truth of yeah. the the ordering of god. So yeah, I could use them as jewelry and you know, I could you could I could have a nice nose ring, a septum ring. I always wanted the Le LeBre when I was younger, which I'm glad that I never did any of those things. But like um but so what we do is instead LeBre that musician. L- oh, Lecrae. The, the, let's LeCrae. Lecrae sorry. Yeah, he is totally LeCrae.
1: I just wanted to enter in something. was
0: <laughs> good. I needed a way in. But but that's why we use wood in like the like um, the like the um, Obed and Boaz, the guys who constructed the yep. temple. What were they doing? But starting to to actually process yep. to give um, and to submit the best
1: things of creation to God. So the theologian v. um talks about how all of what you're talking about is this desire, which is not separate than what you're saying. It's this desire to return to the garden. Ever since we were cast out of the garden, our first ancestors, we've been trying to order creation. Whether we garden or not, the way we organize and design our houses and put our furniture, all of it is this attempt because in our humanity, deep in our humanity, we know we're called to be gardeners. We want to order creation in a way that's beautiful. And there's something so good about that. That's what we're meant to do, and that's from, you know, jewelry to metallurgy to design to architecture to actual gardening to i think to, it's such a beauty because it shows what we were made for what we lost and where we're headed
0: right and and that's actually why we hike mountains and why yeah. we off-road and why we um yeah. why we go and we bow hunt elk you know or fish or f- bow After hunting we preach fish. to them yeah right? exactly them and eat them right and that's why that's why like a, a, a good a good uh hunter or fisher like has this respect for mm. the gift right. of life that is sustaining and that like, that we can say, oh, yeah, this is actually right. an ordering of creation. I, like we actually, yeah. when we talk about the orders of being, yeah. we say, you know, that yeah, of course, um, God is the highest reality. And we have angels and humanity. But then God gave humanity this invitation to participate within the divine life of the Trinity Absolutely. through his ascension and descent of the spirit. But then we have rocks and plants and animals and we have mineral life and we have all these things that in as much as we participate with those, we're inviting those orders of being high higher and higher and higher to actually then participate in the grace life of God. And that's this wild invitation for humanity to preach to all of creation, to say, you can be a participant within the grace, and I'm going to recognize you as sovereignly ruled by God and invite you in a more specific and deliberate way.
1: Absolutely right. That's
0: why we drink coffee, because God is kind. We cultivate coffee for, you know, why do we call them cappuccinos? Because the monks were saying, let's order coffee to prayer. You know, we can pray better. The more caffeine we have, the better we can study scripture by. You better believe it. You know, and like, you know, uh, so it's, it's, that's kind of when I hear that, I say, ah, yeah, man, that's how we do it.
1: Which again, that's the life of the church. Right. That's the church's gig is to be the, it's to drive humanity to to order creation properly toward God. That is ecclesiology. That's what the church is there to do. That's why we have the sacramental life. That's why we have preaching. That's why we have teaching and governance. So to order all of humanity and all of creation back toward God.
0: Right. I, w- I went up and I did a little pilgrimage to Mother Cabrini shrine the other day. And, uh, and they have a, a heart that um, that Mother Cabrini did in red stones at the top of where by the statue and we preserve that marker from her because of the profound recognition that she was ordering creation and that hill in that place and those rocks to surrender to God and that her life was such an example that even as she touched those rocks now they became a they become a proclamation yeah. of her profound um uh life within the divine ordering yep. of of how things are meant to actually be and that's that's why we do this and th- eventually you guys will um y- you know these microphones that we use they're gonna enshrine them because we're saints good lord <laughs> no we're no like, you're like Lord have mercy lord, no we're have n- mercy have mercy. No, I mean like but that's what we would hope. I mean like yes. I, I hope that everything that I touch turns to gold.
1: In grace, that's what I mean. And when we say that, I think part of what we mean, and this is, goes back to the whole vocation of the priesthood. I hope that everything I touch turns to gold. I hope that I hope that the children that I raise and teach become greater saints than us. Yes. I, I hope the people that you preach to and minister to become greater saints than you. I hope that because that's the life of the. That is the ordering of creation. Back. It's that we look toward making disciples of all of creation and I want my kids to be holier than me. You want our, we want our congregations to be holier than us. Like we want a perpet- we, we want um, a directionality to what this is doing. Right. Right. Which So yeah, I want everything I touch to turn to gold. I want people to hear this podcast and take some nugget, navigate through all the ridiculousness that we say, (laughs) and to take something good and preach about it far better than we ever did or lead a men's group or a mom's group or something else with it and change hearts in a way that we couldn't do because we don't have access to those communities. That's the purpose of us doing this. This is why we offer it free of charge. This is why we ask you to plagiarize the heck out of us if you want to, because we offer all of this so that God can do something good in the world through it. And that takes us to the very last part of this gospel, which is, like I said, I think kind of a response to the second reading in a weird way. And again, this is where things get, weir- get weird. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And I, I, I've come in the years to firmly believe in, in regards to what we're talking about. I, I, people, I, I believe people will go to hell. And I believe people have gone to hell. I believe hell is the re- a reality. I'm, right. not, I'm not one of those non-hell theologians kind of a thing. But, but I also think if we don't live this way, if we don't access the grace of God and the salvation that is offered to him, we can condemn our lives to a life of misery here on earth too. This isn't strictly about hell. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned. Why? Because we won't give ourselves over to the life that God actually has for us, where we can live in the reordering of all of creation. That is its own condemnation. Whether that leads us to hell or not, it's a both and. And this is the, the other side in a certain sense of the Our Father prayer. Um, thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth, earth as earth it is, is in heaven. heaven we want earth to look like heaven right. we want to live on earth in a way that reflects your reality where you sit on your throne right now until the day that you come to get come again and you fulfill ultimately the words of the our father and earth is heaven reunited in the same way and in the midst of this we have if we do this if you live this way if you have the guts to actually live the life of the church then you're going to drive out demons and you'll speak new languages this is uh, pointing ahead to Pentecost, right? Um, you'll pick up serpents with your hands, and if you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. You'll lay your hands on the sick, and they will recover. This isn't... I used to think... I used to be so confused by this, and be like, well, I've never picked up a snake with my hands. and not, like, like, what does that mean? But serpents, there's also... There's many meanings to this, right? The devil, the evil one, embodied himself in a serpent. We can be in proximity to evil and not be swallowed by evil. We can be surrounded by sin and death and chaos and not be consumed by it. We can live in a place like this where there is profound sin and profound lives that are lived in opposition to God, and we cannot be poisoned by those things. We can actually allow the grace of God to permeate our lives so much that we don't have to be poisoned by the evils of the world, poisoned by fear, poisoned by giving into temptation or sin or the pressures of life around us. We can handle things that are dangerous. We can handle people in our lives and interact with them and be in communion with them and not actually be taken down. This is the story of salvation history. Israel in the Old Testament could not do these things. Mm. With the grace of the Holy Spirit, with the gift of Pentecost, with all that Jesus gives us, we can actually do this. Not... We don't have to be looking for the snake handler, you know, in this. We don't have to make this into some weird, overly specific thing that is completely devoid of anything in our lives. We can say, where is that stuff in my life? Where am I terrified of it? Where am I terrified of this person who I don't want to talk to because I know they disagree with me and they probably hate the church and it feels poisonous to get into this relationship? But to realize, no, the grace of God is actually stronger than that. I don't have to be poisoned by the world around me. I can actually live in freedom. That's what these things are that are supposed to accompany those who have the courage to live this way. I don't know. I, I, I used to be so confused by this. Yeah. But seriously.
0: Well, yeah. It's, it's saying that, that we, thus don't be afraid. It's, it's summed right. up by JP2. Do not be afraid. Right. right. The Lord is our Savior, and He, and if you rely, and you go, and you enter into that plane that yeah. He exists in, that we existed in, and you pray, then he is the guardian and the guide and he will get you through all things absolutely for the sake of goodness and love and for his name to be known and proclaimed through creation and through everything so
1: (laughs) absolutely friends thank you
0: for joining us um you i wanna i wanna just uh encourage you uh for those of you who are watching this in in uh, repeat we're gonna take donations uh through the weekend towards our fifteen thousand dollar goal and uh, and we uh, we ended up at four thousand four hundred and twenty. That is so generous and good. I for a one hour podcast. A, that's
1: pretty darn. That's yeah, pretty darn that's, good. That's, we that's are very really, grateful. Really wonderful. And I just want to give a shout out to Tim and Nicole down in Colorado Springs. What, what? I, want, I want to give a shout out to Carol, who's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, we got Joseph, who's someplace in Internet Land, which is beautiful. Um, yeah, thanks to Betty, um, so many of you who have, who have hung with us. Uh, yep. We appreciate it. And who we'll watch later and listen later on. So if you're watching this not live, please keep commenting. Keep telling yeah. us where you're listening and watching from. Yep. It doesn't and have to be within this hour window. Absolutely, and a shout-out to Tim. Ah, Tim! Absolutely,
0: you joined us. It's a shout out to Aaron, Henry. It's just a great gift. Henry already Uh, got one. Take that one back. Okay, take that back. That's used for somebody else. Patty, we already shouted. I already got Patty too. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Jess and Kim and John and Megan. Share the wealth for Megan and our background support and a shout out to Scott for his great study and gift. You guys, this is uh, it. Just takes it takes a tremendous amount of people to continue to support the great work that is what the church is and so thank you and i encourage you um keep listening and if you see us you can tell us that you listened at some point and that you need to start again because that was what always (laughs) ends up happening or my mom really loves you my mom really loves you so please introduce us to your mom (laughs) and have her start listening Uh, You know, and your dad, and absolutely, and your uncle, and yeah, we're golden retriever. We're good during workouts. It's a, it's a really good thing. It'll help pass the time during. Worded that differently, but yeah, 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 we're good during laundry. You know, we're fun to listen to in the car on the way to church and from church. We're, you know, like you guys can listen to us anywhere you want. You can put those little headphones. Maybe not in
1: church. No, maybe just to or from.
0: Could you imagine? Okay, if any of you have ever done that, no. let us know. I want to. I want to hear. I want to know. Yeah. And then I'm, privately, privately, and then I want to encourage you to go to confession. And then we'll so, call your bishop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: if you, before we sign off, just want to say one more time: if you are will, willing and interested in supporting our ministry, you can go to thomascenter.org and make a donation. There's links on the Facebook live chat or the the comment section, or you can text your amount to seven two zero. 513 7337 720 513 7337. I should put on my NPR voice because I'm giving phone numbers to text donations to you, and we will send you a tote bag. All right, thanks everybody. Send we send you love you so much.
0: God bless you. you and happy anniversary, wonderful. Father
1: Peter. Uh,
0: to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your love and your prayers. God bless you. Cheers. Goodbye. The Word on
1: the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org AICT. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Uh, that is the way that we can grow and get the word out to more people. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.